Welcome to r slash Petty Revenge, where OP grabs a multimillionaire by the balls. Our next Reddit post is from MK Air. So, I bought a condo in a building in a large city in the U.S. about two and a half years ago. The building has a homeowners association that we all pay into monthly. Since I've lived here, the building has rapidly deteriorated, and we've all hired an attorney for a class action style lawsuit. I'm talking broken elevators, broken rooftop AC units, the pool was empty for four months during the summer, etc. The people in the building are great though, we're a friendly bunch. Last year, I took the HOA to small claims court because they failed to provide financial documents that show us how our fees are being spent. Since this is a legal requirement for all HOAs in my state, I won the case, and I was awarded the $30 filing fee plus a $1 symbolic fee. I sued for the documents, not money. For clarity, the fact that I had to sue them because they weren't giving me the documents is separate from us suing them because the building was deteriorating. I asked the HOA to pay me the 31 bucks, and the president of the HOA wanted to either meet me somewhere in private to give me the cash, or he wants to mail me a satisfaction of judgment form, have me sign it, and mail it back to him, and then he'll mail me a check. I said no to both. Three days after I won the case, the HOA announced they were going to charge us all a special assessment of about $1,000 each and increase our monthly dues by 10%. In my state, a membership vote gets triggered if you charge a special assessment that brings the building more than 5% of its yearly income, which means 51% of the owners must approve of this assessment for it to take effect. Since all this cash was about 20% of our yearly income, a vote should have taken place. When we asked about this vote, the HOA said that it was being made under an emergency clause, which means that the membership vote doesn't have to take place. Fixing the elevator that broke on December 24th, 2021. The spirit of the emergency clause is for things like fire, earthquake, flood, etc. Not a broken elevator that's been broken for a year already. When there was understandable pushback, the HOA sent out a little email stating that anyone who didn't pay the assessment would have a lien put on their units. The liens came down yesterday to those who couldn't pay $1,000 on short notice. Our attorneys told us that even though the money is in dispute, we still have to pay it. And I did pay mine, but we also have a lot of retirees and lower income people in the building. The HOA president's house is currently on the market for $20 million. I just got back from the courthouse where I filed a $31 lien against it for $140, clouding its title. It's a matter of principle, not money. Now, the house title can't change hands until he pays me the 31 bucks that I'm perfectly within my rights to collect on a judgment owed. Also, I was kind of confused because why would a guy with a $20 million house be on the HOA board for a low-income building? And OP explains in the comments. The HOA is controlled by one family. There are five seats and they hold four because they own slightly less than half the units and none of them live in the building. They rent out their units. I hold the other seat. We have a recall election coming up and we hope to take three of the seats. Well, there you have it. They're all landlords. Greedy landlords being greedy landlords. Also, OP posts a final update. I got this email this morning. Subject, check for $31. You'll receive a check for $31 via FedEx in the next few days. I'll forward the tracking number to you as soon as available. I expect that you'll record a satisfaction of judgment once the check clears. 
I believe I sent you that form earlier. Best regards, douchey landlord. So, I guess it worked. Our next Reddit post is from Faya. I was a public employee for many years. I had a middle management role for about 20 years. I reported to a department head who reported to the mayor. I had a small staff, typically 5 to 10 people who were mostly part-time. They rotated every few years, and I tried my best to make their time with me valuable. I helped them pad out their resumes, paid for trainings, and more. One employee, Tim, was initially a decent employee, but quickly decided that he was the greatest employee of all time. His overconfidence often led to mistakes, or him being overextended, and he needed to get bailed out. He was good at basic tasks, but had a hard time with math, grammar, and interacting with adults. Part of my job was seeking federal grants for small infrastructure projects. Think like adding benches to nature trails and curb cuts to old sidewalks or bridges or walking paths across ditches. I would write the grants and specifications. My small staff would help me administer the grant. Sometimes they would do the work. Sometimes they would oversee the contractors. We were doing a bridge grant and I put Tim in charge. Basically, we were doing work on 21 bridges, and we'd already completed work on 14 of those bridges, and now we just had the final bit of work to do on the remaining 7 bridges. All Tim had to do was just keep the process going. By this point, we had so much experience working on these bridges that the process was practically automatic. All Tim had to do was show up with the materials and stay out of the way. Tim did an adequate job, barely. I still had to work to keep him on track. That fall, Tim continued to struggle with basic tasks and eventually demanded a promotion for his outstanding work. He did not meet the very clear requirements for a promotion. These are government requirements, keep in mind. He was just too lazy, despite being given multiple opportunities to become qualified. Eventually, Tim became intentionally negligent and put himself and others in danger. I called him into the office after an egregious incident, and I offered him the opportunity to resign or be fired. Resigning means that he could be eligible for rehire in a different department. Being fired means that he's blacklisted from the city. He refused to sign, so I terminated him. He seemed shocked. I think he thought that it was a bluff or scare tactic. He honestly thought that he was some critical cog in the machine. But really, he was a thorn in my side. Tim's dad is a well-known local attorney. I had pulled Tim's state criminal record, and on close inspection, it was clear that daddy was bailing him out throughout his life. Assault charges dropped, DUI pled to a traffic violation, possession pled to an infraction, etc. Tim decided to come after me. His first move was to call the federal division that oversees my grants and report me for fraud. They launched an investigation, but my records are 100% immaculate. They called him into a meeting, and his proof for fraud was that he felt the bridges should have been a lower priority and the money would be better spent elsewhere. So the fraud was a misuse of funds. But the grant specifications were followed precisely by him. He had tried to divert funds, and I had stopped him. I had written evidence. My project that he had accused of being fraud was the literal poster child for success, and it was included in a slideshow to the legislature on the success of the grant program. The feds and city powers were livid at Tim for wasting their time. I had reams of perfect documentation. Tim was yelled out of the building. Then he filed for a wrongful termination suit. 
He told his dad about the apparent mistreatment and his dad filed. I contacted the city attorney and dumped hundreds of pages of documentation with a summary in his email. I was in City Hall when Daddy Attorney came slinking out of the legal department apologizing for his idiot son. I heard from a mutual friend that Daddy thoroughly reamed Tim, and he withdrew his financial support that allowed Tim to live on part-time work. Tim is doing a lot better today, but right around that time, his wife discovered his ongoing affair. The mistress got pregnant and things got rough. The part of this story that's confusing me is you said that Tim was good at basic tasks, but bad at math, grammar, and interacting with adults. Are those not basic tasks? What do you mean when you say basic tasks? Like, he showed up at work properly dressed? He took showers every day? Is that what you mean? Because this guy sounds like a complete moron. Our next Reddit post is from Even Summer. My stepmom was a nasty woman to grow up with. Mean, vindictive, and had an inferiority complex that she used to attack anyone who was doing well, especially those doing better than her. My dad spent my childhood on the road, and my mom was in and out of inpatient facilities until she passed. So, a lot of my time was spent with her being my only available carer slash guardian. I won't lie and say that I was perfect, but I wasn't bad. Good student, involved in community and school activities, and as soon as I could work, I got a job. My biggest issue was that I often had an attitude with her and her family, all of whom sucked to be near. These people have been in my life since I was four. I'm now in my late 20s, and not one of them were ever supportive or kind. I had aspirations to go to school and be a psychologist, a teacher, a therapist, a veterinarian. Honestly, I think I just liked the structure that school offered, and I wanted to continue with it after graduation. But as soon as I was handed my diploma, my stepmom handed me a notice to vacate the property. Less than a month later, I was gone. To be fair, my father did try to intervene and prevent the eviction since it was his home, but she was the main occupant in the house, and we were told by a local cop that she could in fact remove me from my home and press trespassing charges if I ever came back. To this day, I think the cop was likely full of BS, but just didn't want to deal with it. So, I was 18, homeless, and supposed to start college a few months later, and I had chosen a local school and rejected better scholarships so I could stay home and save money on housing. I found a place with a man who became my best friend, and I did try to attend school, but honestly, it just didn't feel right anymore. Between the full-time work just to scrape by and the mental health issues that arose in the aftermath, I couldn't continue and dropped out. My dad was unable to offer much support, and most of my family never cared to intervene since she had convinced the majority of them that I had chosen basically to go no contact with them. She would call me and gloat about how hard the real world is, make snide comments about my dying mother, and in the same breath offer sympathy and support if I came back home. At holiday dinners, she would tell everyone that I was the first psychologist she'd ever seen working the register at McDonald's. And if I defended myself, I'd be chastised for not taking a joke. It was humiliating, and after a few years, I realized I could block her and she couldn't do anything about it, so I did. My life did turn around. I work as a pastry chef in a bakery that I adore and would love to buy someday if the owner would let me when he retires. It's not a life that I ever imagined for myself, 
but it's a good one that I share with my fiance and I wouldn't trade it for anything. In the past two years, I resumed contact with my dad and as a result, his wife again. He's still a doormat and she's still a grunt, but she's not picking on a little girl anymore and I bite back now. I've also managed to contact my mom's family, who had been estranged from her for decades before she died, and I met people who could have truly loved me if they knew that I even existed. So, doing what I do for a living, I always show off a bit at family gatherings, and I've often made custom cakes for relatives when asked. Boundaries have been established, and after the first cousin who tried pushing those boundaries found herself without a cake on her son's birthday, they've been respected. My stepmom hates my job. She hates that I'm happy, that I don't care if I'm a bit plump, that I'm engaged, and she's not allowed near the wedding. She hates that I'm good at what I do, and try as she might, the only thing she can ever insult is the fondant. Which, fair, I don't really care for it either. At my dad's birthday party last month, I baked a lovely three-tier red velvet cake for him and provided numerous pastries, as well as a cookie buffet. My boss is a godsend for letting me use his industrial kitchen to make it all. On the day of, all my stepmom could say was that my cake tasted like a box mix, and that was it. Two decades of abuse, and I was finally done trying. I spent days making everything that I provided, all free of charge, and she compared my labor and knowledge to effing Betty Crocker. She asked me at the beginning of February to bake her a cake for her 50th birthday. No other details other than she didn't want red velvet, and it was for 100 people. I agreed. I stocked up on Duncan Hines and canned frosting, slapped the frosting on top of an awful sheet cake a day before, and didn't bother decorating any of them. My stepmom was livid. I ruined her birthday, embarrassed her in front of her friends and family, how could I be so callous, etc. I just told her that she compared my cake at my dad's party to Betty Crocker, so she must prefer low effort cakes. I left shortly after she started crying. Apparently, she had planned on Instagramming the party, and she expected my desserts to be gorgeous. My dad didn't care. He just said that it's best if I'm not around her for a bit, and we meet up somewhere other than his house. I do not want to be near her again, and I hope her family choked on that dry cake. This top comment from Live Recognition looks like she's gotten her just desserts. Our next Reddit post is from Spice and Rice. My grandma raised her kids with love. She practically spoiled them, and she raised her grandkids too, me and my two sisters. Two of them, my uncle and my dad, became addicts. And the last, my aunt, became estranged. I've got tons of relatives, so I don't know if I've ever met my estranged aunt. If I have, I don't remember her face or name, so let's just call her Aunt Jay. Aunt Jay left without looking back, and constantly asked my grandmother for money. She hardly repaid grandma, which was a big mistake, because surprise, surprise, my grandma was on top of every penny that she had. She was the best I've ever seen when it came to handling funds. But two years ago, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. She worked her butt off her whole life, was the strongest woman on the planet, and nobody got by without paying her their dues. Eventually, my grandma dies. In her will, she gives money to my grandpa, my dad, my uncle, me, and my sisters. Everyone in her family. But when it comes to Aunt Jay, her will said, You still owe me $14. 
I don't know if she actually somehow debted Aunt Jay with $14 in a will, or just put that part in there as a little slap in the face. The only thing that Aunt Jay was worried about when Grandma died was the money, and she got none of it. I can't be prouder to have a grandma that wouldn't leave this world without the last laugh. Okay, so, um, how do I say this? OP, you clearly really love and respect your grandmother, but at the same time, she raised three addicts and one of them pieced out, which seems kind of reasonable. And then your grandma kept financially supporting addicts. I'm not trying to say your grandmother is a bad person, exactly. I'm just saying this story only feels like part of the full picture. Well, regardless, it was a pretty funny slap in the face. That was our slash petty revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.